0: Two guys with Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and John on Score North and scorenorth.com. dot com. Okay, all right. That that intro music is fine and all. It's fine and all. We love our we love our intro music, but uh yeah, it's okay. I think we should get the flag. I think we should get we the flag. We got the towel. We Get the Wolves towel. We get the Wolves towel. Get the towel. Get the flag. Get the playoff towel. The towel. Now, I, for one, never doubted this team and never doubted Carl Anthony Towns' ability to Mm-mm. step up in Mm-mm. a big spot. Of course you did. So I feel like maybe you should apologize to the audience for your skepticism yep. after Game 3, Judd Zulget. Yeah, like The floor is
1: yours. Go ahead. I like to apologize to, to Kat, to Chris Finch, to Dylan Bundy across the street. Oh, wow. We're getting the Dylan Bundy one already. No, no, you're not. You're not going to get three I lights until June. I said, at least until I really don't care. Um, Yeah. I mean, I can't believe that you questioned, you questioned this team, that you brought the heat yesterday. Clown, I believe, I believe unofficially I documented that you used the term <laughs> after game three, clown, no fewer than uh, 15 times. And yet, <laughs> I think that's true. And yet, Carl Anthony Towns. An ant last night coming back from basically, I don't know what with his knee, but it looked bad. That was yeah,
0: kind of a Paul Pierce situation there. Like you had to be helped to the locker room and came back. Well, well yeah. Paul well, Pierce,
1: we found out, actually just had to go to the bathroom, right? And Pierce, they put in a wheelchair for that, which is actually brilliant. <laughs> right. And in fact, wouldn't it be great if we were all w- wealthy in- enough to commission a team like when you just waited too long? <laughs> should be like, get the wheelchair. Wheel me to stall three. Actually. Exactly, it's got right. a little more, you know a little what? more leg room to work with. Especially Macadac. You know, a little too much. Uh, you know, Mexican spicy food will get me. Mexican spicy yeah. food. A little too much Taco Bell.
0: Had a blackened salmon Caesar that was a little heavy on the spice last night. Yeah, definitely exactly. could have used someone you, to wheel me to the you bathroom. Could use the wheelchair. Morning. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, well, uh, you know, we might as well start with uh, some of the feedback that's coming into the show here. And then I actually have a pie chart of praise, if you oh. would entertain it. <laughs> you were courtside at the arena last night with all the stars, well, you know, Craig Kilborn in the house last night. I was at a
1: auxiliary press table, which was actually behind the expensive seats. So I don't want to sell this as I was actually courtside. Okay.
0: So were you, like, how far back were you? Were, were, so, first of all, auxiliary media seats for a Timberwolves game is not... A common thing. No,
1: you know, this it's, just, not. Like, it's
0: a very rare well, thing over the last 7 they
1: They've got they've got like four things now for us. They've got the ordinary press tables, which are by the wolves bench, which mm-hmm. is where I sit during the course of the regular season. They've got an auxiliary group of tables on the other side of that one. But keep keep in mind, there's now a bunch of empty floor behind the baskets. They put seats there, and then we're behind the seats. So if the fans stand up, which you know they do and they should. It's hard to see things, Uh, but fortunately, the scoreboard is huge. And so that that becomes a secondary place to watch the game. Now they've got I believe they've got some media in a designated suite. And then I think they have some that they just put up in the hockey press box. And this is the first round.
0: (laughs) I love it. Well, okay, just to recap. okay, uh, some of the things that were said on this show after game three, (laughs) most of them by you. (laughs) I don't remember saying any of these things. Uh, so I said specifically, I, I, and I told you guys off the top of the, the show, like this is about as mad and emotional as I get when it comes to sports, Mm -hmm. because I hate the way that Carl Anthony towns behaves sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I hate the way that he has essentially turned into a petulant 12 year old with zero level of emotional intelligence in some of the biggest games of the season. Mm -hmm. And I stand by that. Like last night's performance was incredible. And it's exactly the way that you want to bounce back. Mm-hmm. It doesn't repair fully what happened in game three. I mean, like, they should be up three games to one, right? Like, they should be on the verge of closing the series out because of what happened yeah. in game three. Maybe don't know. they don't bounce back the That's way that they did. I don't right. think they
1: play like they did last night if they don't screw the pooch not once but twice in game three. Right. Uh,
0: but we never shy away from people telling us we were wrong. And so let's just read a few tweets here. Uh, Attitude cooking tweets. in. let's all pause and acknowledge how lucky we are to have Phil Mackey's dumbass opinions. Ask the uh, a.k.a. the uh, super value version of Colin Cowherd. <laughs> Diet Colin Cowherd. Super value was a,
1: that, that must be an old guy great grocery store back well the they're day. still around yeah they're still a around. little bit but i mean Wisconsin they used to be prevalent i mean that's a great reference super val- that that's almost nice because like mm-hmm. he could have picked a chain store now but he picked an old school one that i loved I that's that good one, yeah Thank uh, you. uh
0: how do you still have a job you suck i saw that one yeah if we're talking about mediocrity your line of work is utterly and completely unremarkable i don't really disagree with that Okay. Still employed, though. Uh, let's see. You haven't been around long enough. You've been a fan. Uh, uh, I've been a fan for the franchise's entire history. Um, I've actually been a fan since 1992, just for the record. So
1: I missed the well, first, like, three I was at years. the first home game. So there you go. Well, so you're, around you're a more a OG time. fan. That guy or before.
0: If people like you didn't exist in their professions, then the average sports fan's actual enjoyment of sports would probably go up 90%. Uh, there's a lot of other ones, too, that are just sort of mean-spirited. Listen, I stand by everything I said after game three, that Carl Anthony Towns behaves like a petulant 12-year-old mm-hmm. and that his performances and disappearing act has cost them two or three games and almost certainly game three. And now it's up to him to correct it. Mm-hmm. And he corrected it for game four, and that's awesome. And, I don't, and I'm not going to keep going in on him. He played amazingly in Game 4, the Timberwolves, even the series. I think the Timberwolves, at their best, are, are, are like, head and shoulders better than Memphis.
1: Mem- Memphis is—Memphis wins the mental toughness edge. That's where they win. And they never—I love them. They're not that good. Uh, they've got some good players, but they're, like, they're like not a—they're certainly not a great team. Like, like this yeah. is—four years ago, the Rocket Series, pardon my French, sucked because there was no competition like the Rockets were going to shoot threes they were going to beat you and the only question whether you had Butler or not and you did at the time was could you win a game or so and they did this is the first playoff series real one that the Wolves have been in since the run to the Western Conference finals there is no question about it we're not and kind of the rockets re- we're not kind of the rocket series it doesn't count they, they they kicked your ass they kicked your ass and there was never a question about it you you were lucky to win a game uh that series always felt like it will be done soon um this series this is a series and this is what i love about it so mm-hmm. i tweeted this last night and this is true about cats true about ants true about everybody in this series a true playoff series between teams like this so again, not a not a two seven where the two is superior and the sevens happy to be there. It is a basically, for lack of a better explanation, it's a Netflix series because they're they're short. It's seven games miniseries but within the series there's twists and there's turns and people are tested and characters show themselves to be one thing in one game and then something else in one game i'm watching and, a john
0: wayne gacy miniseries right now on netflix and yeah the well, right, character exact, development there is fascinating
1: exactly but i mean speaking
0: of, speaking of clowns he was yeah, yeah yeah
1: don't you know a clown can get away with murder um but that's the thing about this this series that's so fun for instance the writers in this particular series are doing a marvelous job of having people pop up um uh, Bane, like Jaw, last Night was awful, Jaw mm-hmm. was awful And again, that's how these things go um, But Bane was Marvelous at times, yeah, they Just killed marvelous. off Steven
0: Adams after like the first episode Exactly, and it's like Steven Adams
1: is an important Oh my god, he's dead, what yeah. are they gonna do? Um, McLaughlin last Night, so this is what I love About the ebbs and the flows And the conversations, and look I think what we said about Cat After game three was dead on Like that can't happen And I got a note from a guy last night saying, what do you, you know, is Ja going to get criticized now? In Memphis, I'm sure he is. And he deserves it after Mm -hmm. last night. Like, this is the thing. Everything is on the line. And this, when you're watching a series like this, yeah, talent's awesome. That's great. If you're talented, that is so cool. But what really separated, well, in addition to talent, Jordan and Kobe what separated them like what do we still talk about their mental toughness was off the charts and I will go back to saying in hockey and basketball in my opinion they're fun to watch the the playoffs are great but I think as a player when you reflect on them it's great but I think as a player right now it sucks like you are getting the bleep beaten out of you every game yes you're paying a price You are, you are basically like cat. If you have a game like you did in game three, Phil, you are going to get crapped on. And in my opinion, you deserve it. If you had a game like you did last night, my exact words are this. You got to do that again. Like there, like there's no big upside to let's celebrate if cat did this in a jam, you know, when cat scored what 60 against the Spurs, right? We Mm -hmm. celebrated it. Right. Oh my God. That's great. The playoffs don't allow celebration they allow for expectation. Like, this is why playoff series that are really competitive are so much fun. Yes. Because at the end of the day, what's your real goal? Like, if you're a player, is your real goal to celebrate yourself and and after each game feel good? Or is it to rip the heart and soul out of your opponent? To rip their head off. That's what it is. That's what Michael did. That's what Kobe did. So... I think sometimes in this town we're wired to think about games as isolated games. Oh, it was a great game. It was a great. Yeah. No, series aren't great games. Series are hellish fights. And and,
0: and from a basketball perspective, we just haven't had a whole lot of it, right? Like no. it's, you, know, you have a great game, or you 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 beat the Clippers, and then you you win game one. It's like, oh, this is you know, it's, it was like, well, no, you're strapping in for the long haul here, and even like. And when i say long haul i mean even just like a series like a series is a long haul like like yeah. you're diagramming so i think you know and we'll get to the, the pie chart of praise here let's go in let's go in on the cat subject here because i think it's it's probably of the most interest to, to our viewers and listeners here on the score north youtube channel please click subscribe if you're uh if you're taking this episode and it helps spread the word about our show and this uh community of minnesota sports fans that we're building here and i think a lot of people are coming to listen or to watch us get our comeuppance and me, maybe me specifically, after what happened last night. So let's let's go in on this. How do you put the cat experience into context here? And let's take it. Let's take the five games. The Clippers were it was a play in game, but let's let's lump it in with the playoff games. You had to win that game to get to the Memphis series to you know get to where you are going to Game Five. So we've had five play in or playoff games so far. Mm-hmm. He has been excellent in two of them. Mm -hmm. unstoppable, excellent, channeling his emotion mostly in the right way in those games. Mm -hmm. And then he's either been a disappearing act or a sabotager in the other three games. And so for all the (laughs) people, that's what sucks because like I want the Timberwolves to win. I want the Timberwolves to beat Memphis. I want the Timberwolves to learn and to go deep and to build off this. When I see the red behavioral flags that Cat has been exhibiting in three of these five games and at times during regular season games too it's it tells me ah i don't know if you can get like i don't maybe you've gone as far as you can with him behaving that way so it's not it's not on the people criticizing and calling him out for sabotaging behavior it's on him to correct it like he did in game four get to a new level of maturity of play and grind through a very difficult experience here professionally, right? So yes. I, I'm a little bewildered at, like, the victory laps that people are doing and, like, you know, you guys are clowns, and this is, like, no, I... Well, we are, but that's okay. We are clowns, that's true. But I think all of the criticism uh-huh. of him after Game 3 was valid. Now, if you want to take issue with me saying, with me floating the question out, would you trade him? All right, that was a little hot takey. I'm not going to lie. That was a little aggressive. Now, if somebody wants to offer me a huge package well. You know, assets. That's, a, that's actually
1: a that's actually a conversation that we'll have once the playoffs are done. Yeah,
0: it's, it's for another day. It's for another day. Um, but I I like my main takeaway last night is he can and should perform at or near that level all the time. Yeah. If he chan- not now that you're gonna have a bad game here and there, but like it's one thing to have a bad game because your shots not falling. It's another thing to have a bad game because you are unable to check your behavior and stay in the game and avoid foul trouble kicking your leg out you know for an offensive foul so he 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 can channel his emotion now the way he characterized it was you know I played with rage and anger and I channeled it like I don't know if you can do that for 82 games and then every game of a playoff series you got to find some sort of centered way of going about your business yeah but however he did it last night it proves to me that Dude, you you are the best player on the court when you want to be and when you're able to channel your energy that way. Yep. So let's you know, let's celebrate it. The series is tied. Let's see it again in game five. Let's see it again again in game six. And let's let's set a bar here. Okay. The, the Wolves stars are older than the Grizzlies stars. There's no reason at this point, in a best of three situation, I get that two of the games are at Memphis, why the Wolves stars can't channel this thing and win this series in six or seven games. And so Al, you know, that's that's a fair expectation at this point which is lock it in stop behaving like a petulant 12-year-old and play like you did in game 4 and look what happened.
1: Well, first of all there's no reason to celebrate it. Like last night in a vacuum for for fans is great and that's a, and and you celebrate that win. But much like a team, I'm sorry. Um I think the fan base has to m- move on to the next game and expect and this is the thing that I don't understand well I do understand it I I guess I would like to help try and change it um there is this feeling that when this show in particular and other shows as well not as many as there should be in this town but there are shows that do, do this as well there is this feeling that when you come down hard on a superstar, you somehow aren't a fan or don't like that guy. Or now you're I off the bandwagon know. forever. Yeah, you bandwagon. don't don't ask to come back on. Right. The expectation of any player like a Kirk Cousins, like a Cat, and it actually should start with their biggest stands, is greatness in every game that matters. So I'm with you. I would never. Now, would I like to see Cat grow up 100%? But do I expect Carl Anthony Towns in December to come out and play with um what whatever he wants to call it? If you want to call it rage, that's fine. If you want to call it a high level of professionalism, that's fine. He
0: was no, amped in the first but, quarter.
1: Yeah. And he was about too amped. And I think they amped him down, which is good. But anyway, the point is. In every one of these games, what he did last night has to be how he starts the game with that mentality, whatever that is, whatever gets him there. Um, now, he's going to have some—he's going to have some games that aren't great. But first of all, to those who say, "Well, Jaw had, had a bad game," which Jaw did have a bad game, what do you have to say about that? First of all, I'm not worried about their star. I'm worried about the star on this team because we talk about this team. Second of all, Cat at his best, we know, can be one of the most dominant unicorn type guys in this entire league, which by the way has some of the greatest athletes that currently roam the planet. Third of all, the the thought of well now in game, you know, games 1 and and 4 he showed it, okay, but it has to be there in game 2 and 3. And think about this. Again, I'll go back to if if you're going to um, if the fan base or if Cat stands are going to say, well, Cat is one of the greats, which I would assume that you are if you are a big stan of Carl Anthony talents, then you're comparing him to the greats. And let's talk about, again, because I think it's very important, how the greats are mentally wired. And how they are wired is, did they have a great game every playoff game? Probably not. You're going to have some nights, your shot won't fall. But then the question is this, and this is true of all sports, how do the greats who aren't, performing at their peak level in a very important game impact the game because they find a way to impact the game and to use your term they don't do it as a drain they don't do it as uh well i'm not going well so i'm just pissed off and this whole thing's going to hell yeah they say what can i do to alter and impact the game in a positive way and you know what lots of times they got praise for that because it was so obvious that they still did things. Like this is what Phil it's so intriguing because like Barkley's great. Like he's hilariously funny and he comes out and and completely destroys cat and I chuckle. But Shaq who was great. Barkley who to a certain d- degree as a player was certainly great. Now he didn't win a, didn't win a ring. But they saw greatness, right? Like, I think the reason why they they absolutely crap on Cat after a game like Game 3, and this is where it gets in, intriguing, and I don't think they do a great job of articulating this because it's probably more, uh, it probably pulls more p- people in just to rip him, mm-hmm. but they saw greatness, and what they saw was, and I think they see greatness in Cat, mm-hmm. but what they saw from guys like Kobe and Jordan and the greats was they saw an ability to impact the team positively on nights they weren't at their best. And that's, like, people, I think people think that we just have these surface level conversations about, well, he sucked and so, but they go much deeper than that. Like, folks, if you, and, and look, just to be clear, first of all, our viewers and listeners, for the most part, are incredibly smart. And I realize that we talk often about w- what we see on Twitter. I would say, I like Twitter. I don't know that I would pet people on the back for being incredibly smart across the board. But um, so I'm not trying to talk down to people, but pro sports is a different animal. Like it is a world that is unto itself. It doesn't exist in other walks of life. Uh, It doesn't exist in business. It doesn't exist. And so when we're talking, when we have conversations about Kirk or cat, they're not simply about the, well, he should do more and he doesn't. So, and we watch a lot of games from the couch We've both been around teams. We've both been around players. We've both been around great players and crappy players Mm -hmm. and crappy people. So we're coming from a place of what should the expectation be? Why? And again, at the end of the day, how do you get to a championship? Because winning a championship, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to continue to say this. Winning a championship is great. Getting there ain't a lot of fun. It's not a senior year in high school. Getting to what the Wolves are going through right now ain't a lot of fun. You are literally seeing, I mean, the way that Memphis plays, and again, I love them, but the way that they play, they hang around, they try and beat you up. They literally play an ugly, they're playing, they're they're like a good Big Ten football team. They're going to run the ball, and you got to stop them. That ain't fun. So anyway, I just, I want to clear up, our conversations are not based on, well, we just watch a lot of basketball. Or we watch a lot of sports and we think this guy should be better. They're based on what gets you there. And and to call a spade a spade, if Kirk Cousins in the Vikings case or Carl Anthony Towns in the Wolves case aren't performing at their optimum when it matters most, it almost doesn't. Or I, I didn't put that right. It doesn't matter what the rest of the team does. It doesn't matter. If they're not performing at their optimum, which means at its worst, they're not playing great, but they're finding a way to lift up their teammates, then we are going to continue to be in the vicious cycle of mediocrity that we long ago accepted.
0: Yeah, I think Well, where I disagree with you is I find joy in the process, even though the process is tumultuous and gut-wrenching as a player, as a fan, as a coach. Like when the Wolves take a 15 point lead last night and Memphis chunks away at it. I love like
1: it's playoff basketball, man. Oh, like no. it's a it's it's I a blast. It. I love it. What I'm saying is in reality, it's probably not a lot of fun if you're playing. Like it's a cause because you've got to if you're wired right, I'm sure it's great. But what I'm saying is the whole thing is a drain on mm-hmm. you physically, yeah. mentally. But that's what makes it great. And last night, I love about it
0: from the, from a cat standpoint. And then I I, I want to fire my pie chart of praise at you here. I have five love slices it. of wolves pie chart of praise, but um, you know, last night showed you what's possible on a regular basis in the playoffs against a two seed that won 50 plus games when your yep. star player locks it in. Yep. And it, and it, and when he doesn't lock it in in three of four games leading into that game and he behaves the way that he did, calling him on the carpet for it should not be viewed as hating. It should not oh. be viewed like, I'm not, like listen, like we, do we go overboard sometimes? Maybe. Do I go overboard sometimes? I mean, hell, I prefaced the episode after that game on Ventline by saying I am highly emotional right now. I'm probably going to say some things that, that I either can't take back or that are... Too far gone, um, but what he did last night—it sh- it it shouldn't be unrealistic to say, boom, that's the player that people love, that's the player that people know is in there, and that performance should essentially drive the rest of the series. I'm not saying he's going to put up 33 and 14 or whatever it is every game the rest of the series here, but like, I don't want to see three quick fouls in Game Five and an overly emotional wreck, right? Like let's lock it in, dude. This is what can happen. Let's focus. Let's play like that. Let's see what happens the rest of the series.
1: I, that's incredibly fair.
0: And calling people out for their petulant behavior or for melting down in key moments. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just, I don't think it happens a lot in the Twin Cities. It just doesn't, like, I feel like it's more of a, we need to support and we need to like, and and we do like, listen, I we're sitting here waving the flag and I'm sitting here sweating regular season games on a nightly basis. But like, I want this team to maximize its potential because I've seen way too many Wolves cores over the last 17 years, not maximize their potential. And so when I rip Carl Anthony Towns after game three, it comes from a place of wanting them to be as good as they possibly can be. And I stand by all those criticisms. It's up to him to correct it. He did in game four. And that's why my friend, Now on Mackie and John.
1: You wanted better charts that you could see the fine print on.
0: The pie chart of praise. You should be singing his praise. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. That's why Carl Anthony Towns gets the biggest chunk of pie for last night's win. 40% of my pie chart of praise goes to Carl Anthony Towns.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Could probably give even more, but I wanted wanted to save some for some other stakeholders here. Okay. Uh, He was dominant. He found his shot. I love how early on he decided, "I'm going to get to the free throw line. I'm going to I'm going to play mostly in control. I'm going to I'm going to the guys who are defending me are six foot eight and six foot nine. I'm going to launch three pointers over their heads, and uh, you know he quarter up, He
1: was huge. Yeah, it was one like of the that, best fourth quarters of his. That was career. the quarter where he he completely, I thought, locked in and looked like a superstar in the playoffs.
0: Yep, and this is, you know, one of Memphis's great advantages in this series is their ability to rebound. They they're the best rebounding team in the NBA and Carl Anthony Towns made a concerted effort. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to avoid giving them offensive rebounds and I'm going to throw outlet passes and get going. So, 40% of the pie chart of Praise goes to Carl Anthony Towns for an incredible bounce back performance. He deserves all sorts of praise. Uh-huh. And the expectation is Let's keep building off this. Let's keep right. going forward like this. Yeah, right? let's, let's not be happy. I'm willing to celebrate it longer than Judd probably is.
1: Yeah, like, three I, days I, now until the next I, game. I, dude, I don't have time to celebrate within <laughs> a playoff series. I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm on to the next game. Like until this is done, I, I am so tired of just accepting. Well, that was, I mean, that game, I will celebrate that game as a whole. I thought that game was, I loved it. That game but, was a blast, yeah. But no, I gotta see this again and again. Like, let's see this from Carl. Let's see this from this team. There's still things to get. There's still things to get going. There's Carl. still players who need to get going.
0: Um, all right, I lied. I actually have six slices because oh, I just boy. thought of another slice that needs to be doled up. But let's oh. give ten. I'm gonna bounce around here a little bit. Let's give ten percent to Anthony Edwards. Uh, the knee thing makes me a little nervous. Like, why did your knee just randomly feel You're like it had to 10. be helped?
1: I thought that was a a. I. Oh it was my great. God well i I well, suggest- you'll see you'll see the rest of them, and you'll you'll okay. know why I only give him ten, but yeah, as someone who was there, I will say this. he went out in the first quarter and it looked bad, like he was literally helped. He did not walk off the floor. Two guys held, dragged him off the floor uh when he came back. To the bench, the place went absolutely nuts. And, I mean, that place was liquored up. It was great. It mm-hmm. was so intense. And then when he checked back in, the place went nuts. And I think that that provided a mental boost that was so important. Yeah.
0: Well, and and even, like, his offense was on display. Just the threes. He yeah. was knocking down everything. Getting to the rim. and The dunk. The free throw line. The dunk. Everything. But also, like, that dude played some defense last night. He was on John ja Morant at times. Yep. Uh, De- Desmond Bain was shooting over everyone, but like he wound up with three blocks, a couple of steals, hands in passing lanes, only committed two fouls. So just, he was everywhere last night. And I don't know, obviously doesn't feel a hundred percent. Cause
1: no, he's not. And when plays st- so when, when play also stopped and they, they would have guys would, would just like walk around the floor. He had a big hitch. Like he was trying to, I I don't know what he did, but he kept trying to like flex the knee. Yeah. So I'm not sure what's wrong there. But he had I mean, some weird
0: device on his knee too. Like I don't know if it was, he, like when he was checking guys, into games, he was, some, some guys weird. wear
1: that now. But anyway, there's that's one that um he definitely is playing through something that hurts like hell. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, ten percent goes to Chris Finch's defensive strategy of getting the ball out of John Morant's hands. So they basically and, and it. Mm-hmm. It, I wouldn't say it backfired early, but I think like the unintended consequence was, oh, Desmond Bain's going to shoot even more three pointers than maybe he usually would, because he's open and he mm-hmm. cashed what six of his first seven, and uh, I mean, even for good measure, if Cat hadn't knocked down both those free throws at the end of the game, Desmond Bain, freaking bullseyed a meaningless three at the end, um, but John Morant was just wildly uncomfortable getting his own shots up only took three free throws after taking 20 in game one and mm-hmm. went four for 13. Now Memphis had a huge problem with the officiating. I don't know. The wolves have been called for like 15 more fouls in the series than Memphis. So the I,
1: wolves yeah. did too. The, the officiating uh, here, here's what I don't get quickly on, on that. Cause I'm not going to defend. I'm not going to take the side of the wolves or the Grizzlies. What I don't understand is what is the rhyme or reason for how they decide when to make calls? Like, early on, they were calling offensive fouls. It's like, this is playoff basketball. I mean, to a certain point, and I think this is what the Grizzlies didn't like, you got to let them play. Yeah. Like, this is not going to be, there's no way to turn this into an aesthetically pleasing series. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, did you see all those great plays? This is going to be a bull in a china shop series. So I'm not saying, you know, allow them to commit felonies on the court, but I am saying I prefer when they just allow them to play. 20%
0: 20% goes to Jordan McLaughlin. Yeah, that's a good one. Just absolutely incredible. Only played 14 minutes, but his impact was felt way beyond that. It just, you know, Delo hasn't had a great series. And so when J-Mac comes in and steadies the ship like that, he you know scores 16 points in 14 minutes, knocks down all four of his three-pointers. Uh, after the game, Anthony Edwards called him. And... Josh Okogi, the two best teammates he's ever had in his basketball life, and said, every answer I'm going to have in this post-game press conference is going to be J-Mac. So only ask me about J-Mac. And then Chris Finch was asked, why didn't you play him in game three? He goes, we all do stupid things sometimes. So you can probably pencil in 12 to 20 minutes from J-Mac going forward in this series.
1: This Finch-J-Mac thing is weird, too, because that's about the second or third time during the course of the season that Finch has criticized himself for not playing J-Mac more. And I think in Finch's defense, I think he thinks to to himself, well, the guys I'm playing at point guard are paid a lot, especially D'Lo, and so he should be playing. But yeah, you could flat out say, I, I don't think there's any question if you if J Mac doesn't do what he did last night, the Wolves lose that game. Yes, like he was enormous, and he yep. kept knocking down shots, and and he knocked down shots that were spotlight shots, mm-hmm. like like you you talk about your heart starting to race and your neck pulse starting to race those were definitely shots that came during those times and he knocked them down and that was fun
0: yeah it was great i mean he's just yeah i i, I don't know at some point could i see him being a starting point guard in the league yeah i know he's sort of play he's sort of playing his way into i think
1: you know i don't know if, if the wolves are going to keep him long term or not i hope they do but probably needs to be more consistency there's my guess but yeah. yeah when when he heats up he's really really good
0: 10% to the scrappy combo of Jared Vanderbilt and Pat Bev, who both did Jared Vanderbilt and Pat Bev things last night. Yes, yes, You know, yes, I agree. Pat Bev wound up, his three-point shot was fine last night, but those guys combined for 29 points, six assists, 10 rebounds, two steals, and two blocks. Like, just yep. the exact things that you want those guys to do. You know, Vanderbilt was great cutting and finding open space under the basket in the paint. Uh, so, I just, like, Those two guys are such intangible glue energy guys, and if they're not going well, it's hard for the Wolves to to play at their highest level, so those guys, and they were out there for a combined 72 minutes as well. They both mostly avoided foul trouble, so
1: that was great to see. And the thing with both of them is going well doesn't mean scoring a ton of points. It means doing their their job, and the thing with Bev is, so I I got there about 7.15 last night, and he was on the floor working on the exact threes that, that he missed in game three, which Mm is, which is, I think how he functions. Um, but yeah, he definitely, he doesn't have to knock down a ton of shots, but he needs to knock down the shots that, that he does take for the most part. And it felt like in game four, he did that now, The fake punch at the ball that got got him a tech is the type of thing where it's just, what are you doing? Like, Mm -hmm. dude, you are, I know you play with passion and that's awesome. But that, in that game at that time, that is unbelievably off the charts stupid. So that frustrated me. But yeah, it felt like Pat Bev did what he, what he is expected to do. And in game three, he didn't.
0: And they're they're finding, you know, there's some other Wolves media members and bloggers, you know, Dane Moore, who have pointed out more of the X's and O's of the series, but you know they're doubling Carl Anthony Towns all the time because Mm -hmm. it's just hard for them to guard him straight up. Mm -hmm. And so Jared Vanderbilt winds up being open a lot because they're going to let him, if he wants to take a 15-footer or something, now when he flashes to the hoop, they got to... So you can kind of get him in the spin cycle. You can... Jared Vanderbilt's going to be open as Carl Anthony Towns gets double teamed, find him, and then... Ideally, he has an open layup or a dunk or something. If not, now they're in the spin cycle, and there's going to be an open three somewhere. So they've. Yes. It seems like they may have found a way to, to unlock the spin cycle out of these current 30 towns double teams.
1: But that's what makes this great is now is now the Grizzlies will adjust back to that. And and the thing, so the interesting thing about what you just said about Vanderbilt is they want him to shoot. So like they're like, hey, dude, go stand there, go shoot. They don't want him to be able to basically get to the basket. And last night it felt like they ran more plays and were more cognizant of that. Now the interesting thing there that comes back on cat and like, there's a lot of, this is the great thing about sports. There's like these small things, right? Like like there's these big picture strategy things and, and personnel deployments, but then they spin off these very small things. And one of these small, but very important things is this cat's passing. Um, I don't know why it's sometimes he thinks he's magic, but there are times I'm dead serious where he's in the doubles and he decides he's going to get cute with his passes. Mm -hmm. And he throws these horrific pieces of crap that, you know what? Again, in January, okay, dude, don't do that, but let's go on last night. That's a killer. But what he did last night was at least a couple times he found Vanderbilt slashing t- to the basket with just solid passes. And that sounds stupid. You're really like, well, cool. Of course you made a solid pass, but he doesn't all the time. You know, he does this behind the back crap. He does this stuff. It's like, you don't, no, 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 man. You, you ain't a point guard. Pass the ball from the double to the open teammate. And he did that. Um, and so I do think this comes down to a little bit. I think it comes down to a combination of things. I think it comes down to coaching. I think it comes down to harnessing cat and getting what you need from cat. I think, Phil, there's a conversation here that we could have at some point. And I'm going to say this, and I'm not saying it in a derogatory way, okay? I think the thing of maximizing Carl Anthony Towns and Cousins... And by the way, Carl is a superior player in his sport, so... But I think it's I think it's largely helping them in their headspace. I really do. Like, I think last night, Carl got some help. I, I don't think... And this is not on Chris Finch directly, but I don't think in game three, he got a lot of help headspace wise. And I think when Memphis then pushes him, he just goes off the edge of the cliff. Right. But didn't it seem like last night he was a little bit more he wasn't contained. He played with rage, but he, he channeled it. Right. But I also felt like as far as the game, the actual offensive strategy went last night that they gave him some help in how he should go about things. And that played a very important role in having a defined cause for success.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to know more about the process between games three and four. Johnny K did a good job laying out some of it in his athletic article this morning.
1: Yeah. That probably right.
0: But he, he was saying that cat essentially spent two days being pissed off and letting everyone know behind the scenes and essentially demanding the basketball and now, if you if you look at some of the clues during and after Game Four, you know Pat Bev was asked in the post game, "Hey, what'd you think of Cat bouncing back?" And Pat Bev said, "Well, he he's paid all that money. This is what he's supposed to do." Yeah. And then um, there was a moment where he was writhing on the ground in pain in like the third or fourth quarter. Yeah. And none of his teammates came over to help him up. He was down there for like. Yeah, which is very weird a for them. pretty that's the long mantra. amount of time. Yeah. yeah and a, and a, a Grizzlies player came over to check on him and tapped him on the back, but, like, literally none of his teammates came over. So I wonder, and I'm, again, I'm not saying, that like, his teammates are out. I'm just saying I wonder if things got tense behind the scenes between games three and four. If Because I, I told you after game three, if I was one of his coworkers or teammates, I would be very frustrated with him and the way that he has behaved and acted and come up short. And my opinion of him would be a lot different than maybe 30 days ago. So, mm-hmm. is it possible that his teammates spent the last couple of days also being like, "Come on, dude, it's you know, however you need to get there, get there." But like, it's I, is it wearing thin a little bit? Well, and maybe he got some of his teammates back with that performance last night. I don't I'm well,
1: just, just throwing it out there. So, I to extrapolate on that a little bit. So, first of all, anything that Carl says, like post game, I don't buy because I think Carl spin, spins his own story. So like, like, yes, I think he played with rage or whatever, that which is great. But do I, do I think that he told us what really transpired? Absolutely not even close. I think that he has in his mind, his own story. And he tells that like a storybook, like, but, like if someone chewed him out, he's yeah. not going to say that at the post game, he's going right. to, yeah, yeah, he's going to say, I was mad. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. dude, but anyway, um, to get back to how to get the best. Cause I mean, this is the playoffs are all about maximizing players. Like, and I don't care how you do it. You got to maximize your guys. Um, to get back to the Finch thing, which we won't find out, but I'd be curious about too, is, you know, by not calling the timeout in the fourth quarter in game three, Finch tipped his hand to how he likes to go about handling people, which is he clearly wants them to figure it out, which by the way, if you have a group of high functioning people is not the worst idea, but I don't think Cat can. They need a little more hand holding. Yeah. Yeah. I think they did. And I think that, I think what they did was they came to an agreement. Like, I'm sorry, you, you know more about the sport than me. But when it comes to basketball, I'm not willing to buy the old, well, they didn't get me the ball. So I couldn't score. Like, Okay, you got to demand the ball. Like like you're yeah, allowing- How are you how
0: are you communicating in in the huddle? Right. How are you like are you stop running over to the media table and yeah. s- and saying print that. They're not, you know, the refs this like which he literally did during game 3. But and go like- have an adult conversation with your teammates and say guys
1: or don't have an adult conversation. Say so give me the bleeping ball. But but the thing is, if you look at if you look at that, like I could see a quarter where it gets away and you don't get the ball and you're like, okay, guys, that's gonna bleep and change right now. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yes, I think I think hand holding and manipulating of the situation were done, which if it resulted in a win i don't care but it's another just interesting storyline and in what is uh, i think a fantastic fun series
0: yeah so i think the biggest question is if you look at uh, and by the way 10% i'm going to finish my pie chart here 10% oh, right. goes to Iraq fans knows how you feel about pie. the fans oh, were fans.
1: lit last night you were in the mm-hmm. arena but like oh my two god two games in a row two games in a row these people have they have brought it and you yep. people deserve a ton of credit
0: so i think i'll put a bow on just my thoughts here and then you put a bow on yours but um I think the biggest question now is we've had from, from uh, on the cat thing, we've had five games now four against Memphis, one against the Clippers and three of them. He's been awful, non-existent or sabotaging two of them. He's been what you would expect. Sure. Did he learn enough from the criticism that he took? I mean, he took, he got hammered. He got hammered by the TNT guys. He got hammered by some local people. Obviously. I don't know if he caught any of what we said, but like, He got hammered, and then he responded in the way that you would love to see him respond. And now the question is, what's the norm going to be going forward in these huge games? Because it's not enough to bat 400. It's not enough to be great two out of five times. Let's let's celebrate and give him praise for game four, but the series isn't over yet, right? So is this going to be the new norm? Has he found, has he, through his learning and through, okay, you know just figuring out how to deal with the emotions of a playoff series and the X's and O's like has he learned now how to carry this over from game to game or was this kind of a one time i had to play with rage and get up for this one game that's what i'm curious to see honestly i think he learned a lot after game 3 I'm not ready to like crown him and bet the over on points but I think he learned a lot from game three and I would expect in games five and six, and maybe there's a game seven that he plays a lot more like he did in game four than the trash games, two and three. What do you think?
1: I think this. We have to see what he does when Memphis counter punches what the Wolves did last night. It's a boxing match. And Memphis is well coached. They're smart, they're gritty, they know how they clearly have figured out ways to get to cat. For the most part, games 1 and 4 and this is a credit to Carl as well. Pretty much went to how Carl wanted. That doesn't mean they weren't tough games. But he didn't take he didn't take a real punch. He didn't take uh, he didn't take that counter punch where, okay Carl, now you're off balance. What are you going to do about it? Um, I need to see how he responds when he takes that next punch, because that's the frustration factor Then, and do you immediately punch back. And you know what he did? A, there were small things last night. I'm just saying that it felt like he just played a damn good, good game. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be times where you probably don't get off to a great start. Something happens. Something goes wrong. Way more wrong than it ever did last night. And now you are still being counted on to have a tremendous game. Um, and it feels like that's where he has the problems with getting inside his own head. And once he's there, he usually can't get out. So that's what I need to see. Because there is still, you know, Tuesday night. It's going to be great. Episode five. Wow, Grizzly Wolves in. on Netflix, I'm baby. In. Let's it, get it. it. It's, it's going to be great. Hold on. Hold get on. The, the towel. Here. Here's oh, towel. towel. Here's towel. Right here. <laughs> right here. Here's towel. There it is. <laughs> Amazing, Episode five coming Amazing, up. man.
0: Amazing. All right. Well, we'll have plenty more thoughts, too, on Monday's Mackie and <laughs> Judd show.
1: a long show. This is good stuff. No, we kind said, let's do
0: 20 minutes. Huh? We wound up doing 45 so minutes.
1: So. That was so fun last night.
0: So, yeah, Judd uh, holding it down in the arena. And um, this, is, this is a series, man. This is a blast. Mackie and Judd, a little special weekend episode here. You're going to be off to Target Field. I'm going to go get some brunch here. And we'll see you guys for Colder. statements on Monday. Mackie and Judd daily Minnesota sports entertainment therapy or celebration.